Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All smiles tonight then, isn't it? Tonight we have two former players in to give us some real cutting-edge insight, and the lads go and do that. I'm Stephen Goldsmith with Gareth Barker here, and we're joined by Michael Proctor, who's used to all his radio stuff by now, Michael, aren't you? Absolutely. Walking in the uh, park. Getting an old hand expert. At this. expert. Well, I wouldn't say an expert, but... Well, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> Delighted to see Julio Arca is here too. Apologies we have you in after such a rotten result, Julio. We'll try not to send you home too depressed. I do my best. Thanks for having me here anyway. No, yeah. it's no problem. Glad to have you in. Right. This, Gareth, like tragic world events... As a case of being able to say, where were you when we lost eight nil at Southampton? I think to you, did you try that new pub out? Is that why you watched I, that's it? That's I went into the new pub, yeah, and it, it kept on flickering off uh, during the first half. That but was it did, a sign. It did come back on in time for Virginie's uh, sort of Ronaldinho-esque sort of like studded sort of swing and finish. And then uh, I went home at half time and watched the rest there. Right, I was going to say so you can't blame, even blame the pub for it. Um, I might, I could. Would you yeah, be superstitious and not go back there and watch it again? Um, I wouldn't go back there for the match, but not I've because got a mate of that. Really, not because of that. Really superstitious like that. If you lose, certain, go, lose well, certain games, I probably wouldn't go back I, there. To be, I, 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 I didn't hear Poyet blaming a, a pub in fence houses on the result. To be fair, <laughs> well, no. Stop revealing be. where where my uh, local pub sorry, is, mate. Sorry. What are you doing? Why is that? Because his fan club turns up. Uh, well, yeah. it's happened before. That's why I had to move. <laughs> right. Okay. Well, Mike. I mean, Michael asked me earlier what was on the agenda. Now, I've been looking forward to having you to win so we could get some infight, insight from you, as I've just said. And we, we like to really analyse games. And, and you know, 8 0, Michael, can you take anything from that, really? I don't think you can really do a, a, a great deal of analysis other than to say that it was one of those freak results that you. Well, you, you hope, hope so, don't you? Well, yeah, yeah. I think. I think I can't see it happening again this season or any time in the near future. It, it is one of those freak results where everything goes against your team and, and by the look of it everything went for Southampton from referees decisions to you know b- balls uh, breaking straight to them and just one of those days I think but that that's not to say that there's no blame to be placed anywhere or anything like that but I just think a little bit of misfortune coupled with a, a, a bad performance from 11 yeah. really which again is, is a rare thing it's not very often that you see a full team not performing to anywhere near the levels that they're capable of so um, I'd be very very surprised if we saw anything similar to that well again. I mean we want to treat this game in isolation seven goals in seven games before and then we concede more in one game so you would hope yeah. you would hope was that Julio do you think it's a case of where Sunderland are as a team each player needs to be practically at 100% or 80-90% and, and if everybody drops below that you're always in danger something like this might happen Maybe well, not this bad, but... I mean, listen at the manager the other day after the game. I think it's a wake-up for the majority of the players. You know, when things like that happen, you need to put yourself right and uh, and obviously make sure it doesn't happen again. As Michael said, you know, it's probably... Well, I'm sure I, things like that happen only once. Well, that's what we hope. And um, it's a bad performance, you know, and uh, obviously Southampton was too good and Sandra was too bad, so there's nothing you can do about it. And uh, when things don't go in your way, then like the penalty and all that that we're talking about, it could change again around. But um, it wasn't a good day, and obviously Sandra paid the, the consequences. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the penalty there, and people might think we're clutching at straws there, but I, do we get a penalty at 2-0 and they possibly go down with 10 men? That changes, doesn't it? That changes the game totally, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you listen to Poy after the game and, and he didn't really offer that as an excuse. He, he came out first and foremost and, and blamed the players, which rightly so, that, that's where the, the blame should lie. But um, as you say, if the if the penalty's given, you'd, you'd expect us to score it. That brings the game back to 2-1. There's a possibility the keeper might get sent off. Although I'm not sure it was sending off. I don't think Fletcher was probably going to get to the ball. But uh, you've seen them given. You've seen, you've seen goalkeepers sent off before for things like that I've seen defenders sent off for less than that so again it's one of those things that, that's gone against us but 
from there those decisions go against you then you you don't you don't crumble that's that's about character it's about you know these things happen in football things go against you 10 20 30 times in a game it, you can't just capitulate because because something happens against you but yes the game would have been different had the penalty been given is that an excuse certainly not shall we have a listen to hear what Gus said after that game then uh, you mentioned now so we might as well listen to this now here was Gus uh, thanks to BBC for this I told you in the past in football uh, decisions key decisions uh, they set up the rest me uh, second half um, I'm going to be honest I learned more in the second half today than in the whole of last year I know a lot I know characters I know reactions I know people that I can count in difficult moments and people I wouldn't be able to count on, and that is very important for me. But you can't really change much at the moment. I mean, you haven't got the personnel, have you? Uh, well, that is, uh, I'm a head coach. I don't make the squad, so that's not my job. I go for defenders, I play what I go. So the rest, I'm sorry, I'm not going to start putting excuses or taking responsibilities that are not mine. I accept this. It was me, I picked the team, I put it on the pitch. It's my responsibility. Until then, I take it. The rest, I'm sorry, I'm not going to take anyone. People are interpreting that differently, Gareth, interpreting that differently. How do you take that? Well, it doesn't sound very good. <laughs> I mean, there's, he did something similar after the um, Tottenham game last year. Now, that can be... The, what he's saying can be interpreted in two ways he shouldn't be saying what he's saying by the way because he's putting pressure on people around him and, and it's a bit unfair because they haven't got a right to reply in the same environment that he has I don't think that's a time and place to no. bring Lee Congdon so Lee Congdon hasn't no. got a lot, Lee Congdon hasn't in, in the heat of that defeat he can't come out and do a post-match interview and defend his selection of players or reveal the conversations that were had between the manager and himself about the players that they were signing their strategy for the window and it's up to them to know who let who down if that's the way they feel um, and that, that's not fair on Congan and put him in that position. The club won't want that public eye. No, obviously not. But what I would say is, people saying about Poyet absolving himself responsibility, I don't think that's the case. And I didn't think it was the case when he did it last time because what he's actually saying is that he wants all of the responsibility, and that's what he's complaining about. He's not saying, you know, he's not saying I don't want the responsibility of that those decisions. He's saying he is want those, wants the responsibility of those decisions. But you know he signed a new contract under the under the conditions that you know he is the head coach and there is a director of football, and sometimes he can get a bit vocal when he's lost a game badly, and that's just because people hurt enough to have been beaten so heavily if you're that embarrassed. But it's an argument for a different day, though, Michael. That isn't it? I think so. I think as as Gareth said, I think the 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 biggest problem is that those things should be should be kept internal. If if there's an issue between the director of football and the manager, then I'd like this as a fan. I'd like to see that be be kept private because all that all it does is is just generate speculation that isn't helpful. What we want to be doing is supporting the team. We want to see the team performing well and and any sort of infight and anything like that, it, it, it isn't beneficial for anyone at the club, the players, the manager, Lee Congerton for for no one. So I'd like to see those those conversations kept private either because you know to be fair, there's no argument. Um, should he have put Liam Bridcut right back for example when you have someone like Seb Larson who perhaps has played there before or you could look at the fact he took Seb Larson off when he's one of the players who will close down all day even though he might not have his best game that is one thing he'll do isn't it try and close people down Adam Adam Johnson went on centre midfield I believe when he went on well there was a point where Buckley was playing up front and Wickham and Fletcher were like playing behind him it was just strange like that—that that was weird, but I think he was just trying to like change. But at that point, so the blame spread around. Isn't but it? but that was bit. at four nil, and you think in at four nil. I don't know how you guys would feel as ex-professionals, but surely there comes a point where you think we're away from home, sixty minutes, we're four nil down. Let's just get out. You want to put this earlier, mate? Let's me. just get out and go yeah. home and like write it off as a bad job. Yeah, well, that's normally what happens when you're losing. You know, especially conceding three or four goals, then you try to obviously get stronger on the back and you know it's going to hurt to turn the game around so you're trying to concede as less as you can if it's 4-0 it's 4-0 you know you don't want to concede more but I mean the blame I think everyone has to take the blame you should come play the manager or one or two players it's, it's squad when, when we're winning or when the team is winning everyone gets uh, obviously 
the benefit of the yeah. win and then when you lose everyone loses you know so that's, we're that's together lose together and exactly yeah. that's the way it is at the moment absolutely and I think I think what Julio said there yeah me and you spoke about it earlier Stephen if if you are losing 4-5-0 then that's it you shut up shop you get 11 men behind the ball and Let's you don't concede anymore yeah. I remember it happened a couple of years ago when, when uh, United beat Arsenal here too and the media went mad and you had the likes of Gary Neville on Sky saying in in that sort of in that sort of match, you need your big players, your experienced players, to say right, that's it. We write don't, this off as yeah, a game. Yeah. Let, let's let's just shut up shop. We, we, the game's finished now. We don't want this to snowball and become embarrassing, which is what it did do. And then that that then affects the the rest of your season sort of thing. It affects the mood around the club. It affects the mood around the city. So. I would have, I would have liked to have seen somebody on the pitch, or whether it comes from Poyet or one of his coaching staff. I'd like to see someone say, "Listen, we don't, we're not, we're not trying to score any goals here. Whether or not we get a consolation goal or not is irrelevant. We don't concede anymore. So Wickham comes back into the midfield, Fletcher comes back into the midfield, whoever it is, and we just we pack the midfield, we pack our defence, and we don't, we don't concede anymore. I mean, it's created pressure on the back four as well by bringing on Bridcut at half time I mean I don't know did Brown go off because he was injured we don't know I don't think did he just take him off from a tactical perspective well <coughs> like you're saying there was probably better options at right back I mean personally I thought in the first half at points actually played okay um, and they created quite a few chances like we probably created as many chances as Southampton did but I mean we chucked two of the three in in the first Crazy. half so you look at that and you think I think the only player really who I would have changed at half time I would have taken off uh Buckley and brought Johnson on because Buckley was really awful and he's been pretty good so I would have just removed, taken him out and kept it the same because you make that change at right back, you put pressure on the back four, I thought he'd gone to the back three maybe and was going to like put like Bridcut and cut them all in front and maybe give the players in front of the, them a bit more opportunity to express themselves and maybe stay solid and try and get something on the break and get back in the game but I mean they actually kept it, the, it was only about did they keep it about 60 minutes till the fourth one went in? Oh, God, I don't I know. They did, but I, my was, head's been in the sun since it was the end. Only, of, it, was only after the that, it was only after that when they really just completely capitulated. It was when the fourth one in was. Well, I think Boyer was, I mean, knowing him, I think he's clever enough to sing that way. They probably were going to be three or four nil, and, and I'm sure I told the players, you know, that's it, we, we close the door now, or we try. And obviously in the end, then they did not consider another two or three, so that was probably the, the most disappointing thing in the game. I mean, both you lads. Now, I'm sorry for this because this wasn't this wasn't a setup. Do you know what I mean? When Hughes were coming on, we didn't think we'd play like this. But you've both played in struggling Sunderland sides. Julio's played in two, two or four sides. Michael just played one, didn't he? In the 19.1. Yeah. Now, some of the goals we give away. The first one, the way Browns give the ball away. The second one, Buckley's give the ball away. Larson's turned his back on it. It's hit off his back. And those are the kind of goals you give away when you're playing in struggling sides because everybody's confidence is low right so that makes it more bizarre doesn't it that, that that sort of happened really I think especially after the the last couple of performances that we've had um, Swansea and Stoke I, th- I thought we did excellent well, we, discipline's we been one of our main th- yeah and main we, we've spoken about it on the podcasts strength. in the past th- this season we've said that the, the back four looked relatively solid the, the goalkeepers looked pretty solid but Again, it goes back to the initial point that I made. It's just all of these factors working against you all in one game. And everything, literally everything that could go wrong, went wrong in one game. Um, but as you say, you don't expect that from a team who are sitting mid-table, who've, who've just come off the back of two very, very good performances, who don't look like they're a side struggling for confidence, albeit in front of goal, possibly a little bit a lack of confidence, but certainly not at the back. Um, and, and for that, for that to happen at, at this point in the season, after the the two games that we've had, it, it it it's a bizarre, it really is a bizarre result. I mean, Julio's the way I've just mentioned Buckley and Brown there, the way they give the ball away, it was like sort of reflective of a side that are drawn nil nil at Stamford Bridge in the last minute or something, and and the panic and about holding on for a result. Not not in the game. I'm not going to say easy because Southampton are a great team, but in yeah, a in, in a game that didn't seem to bring uh, have much pressure attached to it. But I think it's nothing to do with confidence. I mean, uh, like Michael said, you know, they've been playing well, uh, not conceding many goals. That's what I mean. So they've been solid, you, you know, uh, not scoring probably enough, but, you know, uh, they've been doing okay. So it's just a strange thing that happened in football. Uh, and, you know, it can happen to anything. It happened to Arsenal. It's one of the best teams in Europe. So 
and it happened to Sunderland now. But um, yeah, they didn't keep the ball well, uh, and obviously that look made the team look worse. You know, when they give the ball away all the time, conceding many goals, own goals. So that was probably a mix of everything just going wrong for the team. Hmm. I mean, the own goals were inexplicable. Really, set the tone for the game, didn't it? I mean, Virginis was kind of. It was incredible. For five minutes, I was just sitting thinking, well, like, has he, you know, has he just done that? Is it? Is that? I mean, I know we'll come on to it, but own goals in games and f- sort of freakish situations. I mean, sometimes teams concede own goals, and obviously, Michael, you played in the game where yeah, we conceded yeah, thanks, three thanks own goals in seven <laughs> minutes, um, and uh, you know, Virginie to score an own goal in that manner, like, what does that do? I mean, I know people say professional football should be mentally strong. But what does that do to you, do to you for that for the, for a while? Like how long does it take you to mentally recover from that moment? Because I don't understand when someone smashes a ball into their own net from twenty five yards practically. How how well, he can? I don't sort think of, many people would understand that. To be exactly, fair. but <laughs> as a player, I just don't understand. Like how long does it take you to mentally recover from that moment? Because I, w- I would imagine that's pretty difficult. Uh, I mean, listen, it, as as Stephen said, it's a bit of a, a freak sort of thing that I'll come on the show about. This a bit, feels like a bit of a stitch up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what I wasn't. Um, but yeah, to be prepared. <laughs> but uh, the the Charlton game, um, I, I have to say that that's that's probably the the lowest I've I've ever felt in my life. Uh, let alone my career, it was you know it, th- that was a real freak game in, in the same sort of manner as this. As you mentioned, it was a, a team that were lacking in confidence and, and sort of that obviously made things even worse. But um, as for as for recovering from it, then I think I, I, whether or not you do recover from it, but it, it certainly it certainly for me it made me a lot stronger. Um, and it's how you respond to that. I think I, I remember the next game. Um, Howard Wilkinson actually called me up uh, at, at home and had a chat with him, and uh, and he got me in, my off- in, the, in his office before the the next game and, and sort of said, you know, don't worry about it, you're going to be playing and like and, and explained that he th- he felt the fans would be behind me. And to be to be fair, I got a, an incredible reception in the next game, which 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 meant the world to me. But I think I think from my point of view, the fans knowing that that it would hurt me as well. Um, I'm a Sunderland fan. Been a Sunderland fan all my life, uh, and playing for Sunderland it meant so much to me. So for that to happen to me, it was it sort of a, a, like a double kick. Um, calm, calm. I done you that day because oh, to be absolutely. fair, like we were saying earlier, I mean, <coughs> you your own goals kick because you were getting back helping the defence out. Now you could have. Gav said to be early. He could have just stood with his hands on his hips on the halfway line and not bothered yourself, and that, that wouldn't have happened. And it's 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 a bit uh, harsh the way it's happened. Isn't I it? think that's I think that's why sort of as I said the next game and for the rest of that season really the, the fans were always fantastic with me because they, they knew they knew that I cared, they knew that it mattered to me, they, they knew that I was hurting the same way that they were hurting, and and that's that's not just from a, because I'm a local lad and all people like we've got Julio in here today, but and Julio still lives in the area. He still you know he he still. Loves the club, he, he, you know. Th- we had Bali in the studio on the last podcast, and Bali's from the other end of the country, and and he sort of, you know, he loves the club as well. So, for I think when fans see people that care on the pitch, and they see people that are, are trying hard, and they, and they're doing the best that they possibly can for the club, then then they get behind the the players. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I'd like to think that that that's what I did for the time that I was at the club. I, I always give hundred percent. I was trying my best, and and that did hurt, but. The reaction that I got from the fans that that helped me to get through that that time. Mm. So y- you'd like to think that the fans would get behind the players after this, um, whether or not the players, well, whether or not it looked as if they cared. I know that that's been an accusation I've seen thrown around a lot this week. Fans like to say that about players, don't they? You know, it's an easy thing for fans to say how oh, the players don't care. I can't believe that's true. Well, I, I think it's it is an easy thing to say, and especially with the, the sort of salaries that are. Yeah. That the players appear these days. And you might it, get you might get the extreme case where it is true, but collectively, it is it is an easy thing. It is an easy thing to to accuse players of, and especially in the wake of a result like this. But from my experience, I'd say ninety nine percent of players that I've played with, you know, they care. They play football because they love the game. They want to win games because they're competitive, uh, and they'll probably want to beat the kids in the garden if they're playing footy in, in the garden. I know that's certainly how I am. Um, so you're two so, foot and tackle your kids, is that what you're Absolutely, saying? <laughs> it's the only way they learn, isn't it? Um, but yeah, uh, do I think that the players care? Absolutely. Do I think that they're hurting this week, that they're ashamed? Absolutely. But the, then the proof of the pudding is how do how do 
perform in the next yeah. game, how they perform for the rest of the season. And I'm sure Julio will agree with that because he was always a player that, yeah. that sort of wore his heart in his sleeve and, and that always gave 100%. I mean, Julio fans, like we're saying, just following on from that, fans will... A fan will... It means that much to a fan, a son especially up here. And, and they will go to work the next week and a result like this will spoil their week. Now, that's got to be for the, the same for the players, right? What do you The next day, do you struggle to sleep and stuff when you have results like this? Well, you're definitely not having a good night after the game. You know, if you get beat a nil, uh, you know, any game you lose, you're not having a good night. That's the way I used to take it, you know. It's always nice to go back home, have a glass of wine with your missus or, or with family, knowing that you won the game. And, you know, every every player care. Uh, that's the way it is in football. You know, I understand fans get angry, upset. Everyone support Sunday get upset but um, the players care they want you to play football they want to be in the team uh, and as much as they do well the more chances you're gonna, they're going to have to get in the team or, the, or to move somewhere else and play in a bigger team so it's disappointing to, to obviously hear fans saying that but you know it's their opinion you know you have to listen to everyone and uh, and that's the way it is you know yeah oh no that most sensible fans don't think like that. You just get the small mind well, out, you know, the vocal mind out. You know, the, emo- the emotion and passion works exactly. both ways, you know. it's, You know, like Michael said in this situation, he felt great when they came out and did that, and that is probably because, I mean, me and you have probably been in that situation where you've, you've gone to Sunderland as a kid and you've watched, mm. and you'd love to be the, you know, you love to be the... I would have loved to score a winner against, against Liverpool. Liverpool. Yeah. That's what you'd that, well, that's think. That's what, you, that, yeah. that's what you dream about, and, you know. And that's probably why, you know, when in that situation, the supporters get behind Michael because you understood that they, you know, to a man or a woman, like, that's probably what they would dream about when they went to bed at night when they were kids and he was in that situation. So, you know, it, it works both ways. I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, I don't, I don't think, I've criticised supporters for certain things and stuff, and but it's difficult. It's I think a few generally, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think it's difficult to think rationally, isn't it, when you've yeah. been tonked 8 nil. But, I mean, you yeah. look at the fans who are at the game and there's videos going around, you know, the 8 nil down and they're singing the hearts out yeah. to the end. Because, uh, I yeah. was just about to, to make that same point. Now. I've seen I've seen the fans towards the, the final whistle and you would think that we were winning 8 nil, and, and that's the sort of support that, that Sunderland have. That's that's why we're Sunderland supporters, because we, we share that same passion. So, I'd like to think... And, and, and I would imagine that the the atmosphere on Saturday, yes, people are disappointed, yes, people are frustrated, but I'm sure that the that the fans will be supportive as ever on Saturday, and they're desperate for us to get a result so that we can forget about this, and so that Newcastle fans are not leaving boxes <laughs> after eight minutes on people's desks. Well, it's about time that's something to, to laugh at yeah, us they about, are, isn't they, it? They've, they've had their fair share. Well, we'll give them the we'll give them the moment. But um, you know, mention about reacting <coughs> in certain ways now, Liam Bridcut. You know, I'm not going to say I feel sorry for him, but it's going to be a test of his count now, isn't he? Because I feel sorry for him in, in the sense that he play, he was playing out of position, he was right back. He's one of the lads who scores an own goal, which, you know, he isn't... Southern fans aren't necessarily warming to him, rightly or wrongly, because he isn't that a sort of impact player. We've discussed this before. But that's the last thing he needed, personally, isn't it? Yeah, I think, um, as you say... I do feel a little bit sorry for him because he's not really had the game time that he would like this year because of Lee Cattenwell's form. He isn't really the the type of player that catches the eye because he 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 doesn't he's not combative like Cattenwell is, so he, he's not flying into tackles and getting uh, fans off the seats. He's not an exciting type of player. He, he's just steady away and he, and he you know he, he's quite efficient. He keeps the ball, wins the ball back, but as you said, he's not. He doesn't really catch the eye, so and then he gets shifted out of position. Yeah, yeah. Then he gets yeah. thrown on at right back in a game where you really not Under really got a chance, especially when you know they were their fullbacks and and wide players like to go at you yeah. as well, don't they? Uh, and difficult for him, and, and obviously the 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 own goal won't won't help his situation, it won't help his confidence. But he he, he does seem a, quite a confident lad, and he he does know that defensive midfield position inside out. And this season he, he's sort of been used as a backup for Catamol, so. You never know. At times, we know how Catamol is with suspensions, things like that. We might need him. So again, I think it's important that as fans we get behind him. Uh, and we, I've heard Poyet speaking, and I know Poyet speaks highly of him. So I'm sure he'll be getting the support internally at the club. But it, so his performances have got to be better with, with everyone. We keep talking about some of the fans um, being great fans and, and, and sort of getting behind the team, but. At times, the players have got to give something back, and the players have got to 
sometimes get the fans up. It's not. It's not well, just a. Ways, it's not yeah. just a one-way thing. Yeah. yeah. Yes, it's great when the fans are behind you. Yes, it's great when the the fans are acting as a twelfth man. But sometimes it's the players' responsibility to get the fans to that stage where they where they are off the feet, where they are shouting and screaming and, and cheering you on. And and that's what that's what I'd like to see happen on Saturday. And I think the first ten minutes on Saturday are going to be vital because fans are going to be expecting to see a reaction. Poyet's going to be expecting to see a reaction. And if it doesn't happen, then then that's when we sort of could be in trouble, I think. But I think that first ten minutes uh, against Arsenal on Saturday is going to be vital. Can you any of you remember games as bad as this as players? Julio, did you have any? Oh yeah, any? I have a. I have. I was involved in again. I got B A one. In Argentina, I was the teenage to play before I came to Sunderland, and it was slightly different because um, we were doing well. We played really well the first half. I remember. Um, we only getting beat one nil, and then we got a man sent off, and then it's gone under the wall. So it was two nil half time, and then in the second half we just collapse. Um, but the slightly different was we had the one the fans waiting for us outside for two <laughs> hours. Wanted uh, so to probably you know have a go at us. <laughs> when here, obviously you you're gonna see the fans on Saturday, um, and I'm sure they're gonna be there supporting the team. Probably got you know forty thousand there or more probably. Uh, and as Michael says, massive gain. But Sunderland seems to do well against big teams, and uh, and that's what probably happened Saturday. Probably you know Sunderland performed really well and get a point or three. So hopefully that's what happened. Wait, you, a reaction, Gareth? I was just going to say, were you involved in the the Borough when they beat Man City eight? I was involved in the in the winning side. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. so you've seen both and I was sides. Obviously and Man City have done all right since. <laughs> yeah, they've reacted quite well. Since yeah. Yeah. We just need a shake to come in, yeah. uh, take over, and everything will be all right. Uh, but you can't tell when the team when you're playing against him. Obviously, it happened to me a nil, and you can't tell when the team is giving up. I mean, it was after three or four nil, and you can't tell it was an easy game to play. Anyone could play there because they give up, and. And that's what probably happened in Sunderland, you know, we're losing four fighting and you think, Oh god, I can't wait to the finish the finish um, the game to finish, you know. And and obviously then it's it comes in another three and, and it make it all worse. I think that's Joe Pace as their manager then, and he's not somebody no, who it was Ericsson, wasn't it? Oh was it? Uh, oh, yes, okay. I think he was I was gonna say yeah, Joe yeah. Pace isn't the person mm. you'd want to if go in. Yeah, you'd want to go in the yeah. dressing room However, after it. If you're gonna get yeah. gonna get beaten on the last day of the season eight one, Sven was probably on the beach two months <laughs> before that, so <laughs> no uh, wonder they got beaten. Yeah. He doesn't raise his voice well, Sven, Literally on the beach, so probably. probably aware of that fact. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. raise his voice. But I was, I was thinking about this the other day, and I'm not, I'm not uh, blaming him. Who, Sven Gomez? <laughs> All right. But if you look at Gomez now, I haven't checked this out, but I'm pretty sure. Obviously, eight nil on Saturday. Surely he would have been in the side that got beaten nine one at Tottenham, and eight nil by yeah, Chelsea. Probably. So he, that's not. So it's his fault, Gareth. That's not a very... That, but <laughs> that's quite interesting, isn't it? He's that's, the curse, yeah. He, does, he doesn't go drinking in that <laughs> unlucky pub that you go in, does he? <laughs> he might do, eh? Well, I haven't seen him. He might as well have been on Saturday. But uh, no, I think uh, that that's, that can't be a very pleasant uh, thing to carry around with you, that you've been beaten eight by eight clear goals in three Premier League games. Oh, it's not nice. You're never nice when, when you get beat like that. I don't think as a fan... I mean, what's worse as a fan, you're going to remember. I remember Julio might have played... when Because when it was when we were a decent side under Reid... And we went to Ipswich and lost five 0 mm. and they were bottom of the league it's at the time. Yeah. George, that was mm. that was hard to take as a fan. I think I left at half time to be honest. I, I remember it wasn't a heavy defeat. The worst I've ever felt after a game, I think, was apart from the Newcastle defeats, obviously. Yeah, the fifteen. It was a fifteen point season, um, and it was the the West Brom game um, when Gary Bream scored after about six minutes, and then we kind of hung on a bit. Well, and got a, got a and um, it was it was Gira, but there was camera for them. I remember went through and I think he uh, had one. It was height headed one off the line in the last minute, and it went for a corner. And the corner came in, and Gira scored the header. I, I can't I honestly was, can't ever remember because because he hadn't Dean won. Was who scored a penalty for us? And maybe it was. I was. I think it was Breen. I think it was. Well, well, maybe it was White. White I can't. Penalty. Which game was it? Breen scored it early. We, we scored some early I tried goals. To forget about yeah. that season. We scored some early goals. Yeah. For most of that season, we scored yeah. some early goals in that in that season, and then went on and. Did, no, it was the Whitehead penalty one was the Portsmouth four-one. I'm pretty that sure that was that was a momentum thing though, Julio, wasn't it? Because the first six seven games Sunderland played alright and they just couldn't I remember West Ham at home when we drew and we, we absolutely battered them Yeah, it was. Yeah. and you know, we went to Borough and won and we didn't look that bad and then suddenly you're just getting to a loser mentality and well, I've seen the different 
I mean, with that squad and the actual squad now is. Oh yeah. We didn't yeah. have the standard of play we yeah. they have now. The amount of play they have now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Uh, I, know, I know probably Sunderland or the manager is looking to have a bigger squad than what, what they have at the moment. But um, it's two different things, you know. Uh, but, you know, the lads, I remember they used to work hard. I mean, since obviously when totally wrong, but they were trying... And that's what the fans, Sunderland fans, like yeah. to see. They like to see players trying, even if you get beat. You know, they're trying to to see. Uh, well, they like to see players. But the fans wait for the players outside the games in Argentina. If they're oh, putting yeah, no, like in a nice way. But I think, I think, <laughs> but I think that was the thing about that defeat is because I don't think we'd won a game in God knows how long. It probably was the it probably was the Middlesbrough game, the one before that West Brom game, and then last minute equaliser. So that's that's a monkey still on the back, and then yeah. a few weeks later, I think it was um, Everton at home on New Year's Day, and we'd done pretty well. And then last minute, Tim Cale scores a header, and that you're in the well, same. That's position. when things go go against yeah. you, you know. Yeah, no matter how prepared, you know, yeah. when you know, obviously you perform and you're trying to perform as well as you can, but then you kind of carry that unlucky thing with you yeah. all all the way through, you know. It's happened with Derby as well in their season. Remember, they had a few like that where they looked as though they were finally going to get a win or a result, and then the last minute of the game they concede, and it's just a like the mentality thing. It's like once you've gone, QBR possibly this season. Over the Could be. Uh, mm, okay. Play well as well yesterday. I'm going to stop talking about that now. <laughs> stop that now. We're going to come back and we're going to talk yeah. to Holy over ten minutes. Okay, we're going to spend 10 minutes or so now, I think, just talking to Julio. It'll be shame to get him in. Well, and Michael as well. We're not going to just ignore him. Yeah, well, we're sick of sight of him now. Every way. Way. You can switch me mic off. <laughs> <laughs> but we can. We can always do that if you want, if you want to be a spectator. Um, what I like, Julio, I want Gareth to tell you a little sort of story now. Gareth's wife knows nothing about football, but tell him the conversation we had the other day. I think, yeah, I think okay. it's quite interesting. Well, what it was, um, when they, obviously, when he used to listen to more games on the radio... Um, and he used to listen to everyone, every Sunderland game, the away games on the radio, and I didn't go to the away games. And uh, she always used to be like, "It was like, when oh. we were rubbish, wasn't it?" Yeah, it was when we were rubbish. Yeah, pretty much. So when when you guys were playing, uh, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> and um, she always used to say, oh, "All you ever hear is Julio Aga, Julio Aga, Julio Aga." So she knows who you are via the. She doesn't know any football, <laughs> barely any yeah. footballers, but she knows who you are because yeah, you crab- must have been involved that in, much involved in on that the much. radio. Yeah, involved on the ball so mentioned. much. Yeah, that you always always getting mentioned. So <laughs> she she she's recognises yourself through that. She probably wouldn't know if you saw on the street, like so. <laughs> she recognise my name. Yeah. <laughs> But so, going yeah. back to when you first... It wasn't as good a story as the other night, was it? I think it was. I think it's okay. It's it possible, is. isn't yeah. it? It's okay. Possible. That's worthy, yeah. Um, going back to when you first signed Julio, though, because what were your impressions of the area and stuff? Because it isn't you know, that common for maybe Latin players to come over and, and settle so well, especially in the northeast. because we were just talking when the mics were off there about Vargas, who chose to go to QPR over Sunderland because it's London, and that seems to be such an obvious decision for players to make it, you found yourself even after Sunderland at Middlesbrough in the northeast still. Well, uh, I mean, I came here. I remember coming here for a week um, just to see the place before I signed the contract. And Did you go to Pizarro's nightclub. 
<laughs> well, <laughs> uh, I <laughs> didn't have week. a chance to go in that week. <laughs> but um, I mean, I mean, I, I never saw anything wrong in the place. You know, nice place. Uh, you have the sea. Uh, they took me around the city. It's just a normal, normal city, you know. And uh, I, I find myself comfortable here. That's obviously why I stay so long. Uh, the funny thing is when you listen players coming from from London and uh, they say they feel homesick and all that, you know, I, I'm just laughing, you know, it happened to me, I know when I say names, but it happened to me when I was at Misru and just playing, play, players complaining about that and uh, when they're only three or four hours away, you know, yeah. I'm in the other side of the world yeah. and you have to get used to. So, I mean, the place is nice, you know, as I said before, I, I enjoy living here, I've been enjoying my time here and um, it's a, a similar place they want coming from. Were you all drinking partners when you did or not? Me, I was always good mates with Julio. I always got on well with him. I wouldn't say drinking partners because me and Julio are model professionals. I've seen Julio out in town a few <laughs> no, times. Definitely. <laughs> when, the, the thing is, shopping. though, when he first came over, suddenly had a decent nightlife then mm. because the economy was quite <laughs> good. Wasn't it? It, it used to be a lot better now. It used to be a lot better. Yeah, and then it's, it's crashed now, wasn't it? Yeah. What I do, yeah. well, obviously, when Julio first came, I think. You know, there was a lot of excitement about, you know, the fact that you'd come over because, you know, you're Argentinian, so it's a, the glam. It's it's there is a an element of glamour to it, something different. It's not something you wouldn't second Argentinian. Yeah, you wouldn't. Ex- it's not you. You know, you weren't the type of player um, that you'd expect to get, and you were young, and it was exciting. And then obviously you scored on your your debut, didn't you, at West Ham? Was that right? No, was it was that, Hale, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, West yeah, Ham, yeah. it was against yeah. West Ham, but yeah. Um, and I think after that, everyone obviously took you. To heart, so that must have helped you settle in. Yeah, it was good at that point. Obviously, when I, when I made my debut, just a, a week or two uh, after I signed my contract. So, best way to start, obviously, my career in Sunderland was was that you know playing the first game, scoring at home in front of forty eight thousand. But I think it was about half half and half of the fans, you know, thinking, you know, who the hell is that guy? We paid three point five million, you know. <laughs> And the other fans were like... Cheap, that wasn't it? Uh, Cheap, well, <laughs> The other fans were thinking, oh, well, it, it might be good. So it was uh, it was a bit of half, you know. But um, but luckily it went well, you know, especially the first season. You know, we done well. We finished seven again in the league. Uh, I played, you know, quite a few games and I saw I did well. So basically I made my, my base in there. Uh, the connection with the fans was, was good as well. So everything went pretty well the first season. How was your English, though, when you came... It was rubbish. Uh, so could you understand what Peter Reid was saying to you when he spoke? No, no, really. Can you understand now? Well, I think, <laughs> well, I, think I was saying that. So how, I did do sell, now. how did he sell the club to you, though, if you couldn't understand what he was saying? Well, obviously, I I remember <laughs> having a couple of the lads used to speak Spanish. Stefan Schwarz was there, used to speak Spanish. Um, Emerson Tom was there. So they kind of uh, helped me out, obviously, through meetings and all that. I mean, inside the field, you don't need to understand, yeah. it's only one language, you know. But uh, afterwards, they, they kind of helped me out a little bit. So, but it was hard. I still find it hard to understand uh, Bobby Saxton. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, uh, I used to struggle with Bobby but, Saxton. Um, but they used to treat me well, you know. Uh, they used to look after myself. So, it was good. What do you think was the, the change? Because, you know, you, you were at Sunderland. You didn't, weren't there the first seventh place finish. You came in the second. So, you finished seventh, though, and then obviously. The following season was difficult. Finished seventeenth, didn't we? Yeah. Um, and then obviously the relegation. We'd have went down if it wasn't for Claudio. For Reina, yeah, season, probably. Yeah. What do you think was the? What do you think was the turning point and in, in, in why it sort of deteriorated? Because we had a good, we had a decent squad even when we went down in that yeah. ninety point season. We had some squad, decent players. Yeah. Yeah. Just what do you think? Because as you were there um, for the whole, for pretty much the whole period of that, probably our best period in the last fifty years or whatever. What do you think it was that changed that made it go sour? I don't. I mean, I want to think that probably we spent money in players that we didn't have to spend money. Um, maybe that maybe was the case. We have a good team, as you say. You know, the, the squad's fantastic squad. You know, plenty options around the whole team. Um, I remember we lost Don Hutchinson. He, he was one yeah, of our yeah, main players. You know. Yeah. And um, he was good, and I saw Sunderland should have put an effort to keep him in the club, you know, for another year or two. We all do. We so all do. Yeah. that was a, a disappointing thing for us to lose in a good player. Then Queenie, he was, you know, having problems more often with his back, so we started to lose Queenie as well. 
um, and then I think uh, the, the French guy came uh, Lillian, Lillian and he didn't do obviously what Queenie, what Queenie was doing so slowly the, the team starts to deteriorate and obviously after two seasons we pay the consequences you know uh, even with a good team but we pay the consequences you know because it just showed you that you know someone like Quinn you know that thing that was the thing where you couldn't you're trying to replace him rather than say, well, we're not going to be able to. You move on and try something different, yeah. and they never. Well, they I think they tried to replace him with Torre on the floor. Yeah, uh, that was probably, but uh, I don't think it worked out. I mean, Torre on the floor was a good player, but no Queenie. And I think fans was expecting to see another Queenie. Yeah, and it's hard to replace you know players like Queenie. And Kevin Phillips, was at a side you know. previously where they played football, and he probably got the ball he, and feet a lot more. And we've tried to. Replicate how we played under Quinian. I think he was probably Torian. The floor was probably the, the right player at the wrong time. He was, a, this Julio said, technically great footballer, more than capable of scoring goals. But to come and to come and replace Niall Quinn, you, you know, you're fighting a losing battle from the off there, and and the style of football didn't really change, despite the fact that there was somebody totally different, a, a totally different style of player up there. I mean, was that difficult? Actually. Mike, was that difficult for you? Because I was going to say it was a bittersweet you because you, in you know, a way because you've been waiting for your chance. Yeah, yeah. you win, and then you then it's like oh, and then you're thrown into the yeah, deep end of a like, team that's yeah. playing rubbish. Also, yeah. that, the pressure of it, you know, not repli- right, replacing Phillips, replacing Quinn. You're a striker, a young striker who scored a lot of a lot of goals for the um, for the reserves, a lot of goals, and yeah. then you've come in. Um, at that season. That- that season when Peter Reid ended up uh, getting the sack, I, I'd gone on loan to Bradford that year. Um, he did I'd, well there, I didn't don't he? think I... Yeah, I did all right. I'd, I'd scored a few goals there. I was doing quite well. Um, and I, I was sort of about to, to sign a season-long loan when when Peter Reid was sacked. He he didn't have any plans to, to play me in the team. Obviously, I was desperate to be playing. Um, so were you about 18 or something then? No, nah, I would have been 21 then. Right, OK. Um so yeah, I'd been at Bradford, and, and when Peter Reid got the sack, then then I came back because uh, the the new manager wanted um, wanted a full set, full squad back. So um, I came back then, and, and as you say, to replace Niall Quinn is is impossible. And you got played out position a lot, didn't you, on the right? Yeah, and stuff. Ended up that in, must be right you, You've been waiting for your chance, and then you get in the team, and then you're like. Go and do a shift on the right wing for us, mate. Yeah, and we, we ended up, as you say, that, that season was a bit of a transitional period and um, Peter Reid had gone, Howard Wilkinson came in. Um, that didn't really work out. We had a lot of players that were that were coming to the end of the contract. There was a lot of financial instability at the club um, where players, in the end, w- had to be sold the, the following season. So, yeah, it was a, a real transitional season. I ended up playing right wing. I played left wing a couple of games. I remember... Playing Bolton away in the cup, and uh, Mark Rossiter played right back. Got took off, injured after five minutes. I can't remember who came on to replace him. I mean, Darren Williams. He got then taken off, injured, and ended up playing right wing back at Bolton with JJ Kotcha playing left wing. <laughs> we we actually ended up uh, we drew we drew the game. Kev Phillips scored. We so beat them in the replay at, at the and, stadium. Uh, in, right. in the replay, Medina Nicholas Medina yeah. played. I mean, why yeah. why do you, why do you I mean. Somebody he was in a similar situation to you. Obviously, when he came, similar price tag, <coughs> similar expectation. Like obviously you'd set, and then, you know, why why do you think that didn't work out for him? Well, I think um, it was another player that came in the wrong time. Um, technically, I saw he was a good player, uh, probably not strong enough to the Premier League. Yeah. Uh, and apart from that, he had players ahead of him like Gav McCann, Alex Ray, um, Stefan Schwartz players with experience you know Eric Roy so it was going to be so hard for him to be ahead of them so he had to weigh his chance obviously he was at the club for a year and a half I think or two and then obviously he, he lost his patience I think people just because you've done so well everybody just yeah, expected, expected that he was going to come in and I, I just think with, with Julio he sort of had the an English mentality an English work rate and he just slotted straight into the into the Premier League the style of play Suited Julio's style of play. For all, he was a, a, a talented player, a flair player. What what I think is isn't mentioned a lot about Julio is, is that he worked hard. He worked hard in training and worked hard in games, and that's another reason why Sunderland fans warmed him as they did because they could see that he cared, they could see that he worked hard, and possibly Nico just didn't really he didn't have that not the mentality. He just that wasn't his his game. His his game didn't suit the yeah, English his body game. Language in, in probably was slightly different. Yeah, he's a bit more laid back and. and well, it just didn't work out for him. What's interesting Sorry. is fo- fo- football, English football has evolved, 
Julio a lot. But the Premier League particularly now, where you look at the Premier League now and clubs try to maintain possession a lot more now. They keep the ball a lot more. Do you kind of sometimes look and think, I wish people played like that when I came? Because it must have been a little bit frustrating for you coming in from Argentina in a culture where you keep the football to full-backs who suddenly just launch the ball down the, down well, the way. I think everything started changing here since we seen the fantastic Barcelona about uh, five, five, six years ago. And obviously, you always have teams in here like Arsenal. They always try to, you know, play nice, nice football. Um, but obviously, when I was in Sunday, it was it was a lot different. We that's what we were talking before. You know, we have Queenie on front, flicking balls, holding the ball. Then we have uh, Kevin Kilbine or whoever was playing on the right wing, crossing the ball. And that's why I, I used to ask to do is well, you know, getting getting the, near the box and cross the ball. Um, but. I used to enjoy that. It was slightly different than what I like to play, but you have to get used to. And and to be a Premiership footballer, you have to get used to any kind of football. You know, uh, we were saying before Michael playing right wing. When you when you young lad, you playing anywhere, don't you? You give, you give you get a chance and you play like right wing, left back, or whatever. As long as you play in the team, you know, that's the main thing. It's weird, isn't it, when you think about all those players that we did have around that time who didn't make an impact or didn't play or made an impact and then left quickly I mean you mentioned Eric Eric Roy there let's say great like, player like, wasn't he yeah, I thought yeah, he was yeah, excellent yeah, and what I mean where <coughs> why did he go I mean we, we only had him for a year because I think the style of football was wasn't the style of football he liked it to play it was more like a, a passing play with like a shabby style you know what I mean uh, but um, obviously then we have Alex and Gav McCann playing there they were like two killers yeah. basically <laughs> you know but they, they used to do well that and it was probably more helpful to have the two playing there than Eric Roy at that point because the, the style of football we were playing. I think the, the whole Premier League's changed now. Yeah, in yeah. the last in the last ten years, it's changed. English men, even the English mentality. Again, you were talking about coaching badges off air and stuff, and I've done the basic ones, and it's just it's it's possession based now. Yeah, isn't the, it? the whole game is because because that's how that's how you win football games. You look at all the top teams, and that's how they win games. You, yes, you you can. You can press teams as Southampton did last season. We've seen it from Spurs earlier in the season, and they do that. They do that fantastically well. Um, but for all you've got to press the ball and work hard. Then when you get possession of the ball, you've got to keep it. Um, me and Julio spoke on the way over here earlier, and Julio said that he'd love to play for Paul yet because of the exactly. The way well, that that's he what plays I was driving earlier. Yeah, you, but, you, look you know now, the, I would the style of yeah. the style of football that that Paul yet plays. Julio. Would Drop straight into that because that's the type of player that he saying, was. It's like you slightly missed, missed yeah. the ball. It's good the way yeah. they do it. Like they're trying to get the ball as quick as they come back, and then obviously when you get the ball, you need to rest. It's, it's about taking advantage of resting, you know, passing the ball. And you see a lot of teams doing that now. You see Swansea doing, you know, they've been doing that for a long time. They're pressing high, and then when they get the ball, they're just trying to keep it. They don't go forward as, as soon as they get the ball. Yeah. They're trying to keep and find the right time to go forward. And it's nice to see teams doing that because uh, I think it's more it's, it's more pretty, you know, to see teams play that that kind of football. Do you, do you speak that? I mean, in the last well, not in the last sort of well, twelve months, I guess we've seen we've had Skoko, um, Virgini, Otsari. You know, did did you we you know I'm not I'm not doing I'm doing that ignorant thing of going you're from Argentina, <laughs> you must know them, but obviously you're local, and surely somebody would have put you in touch, maybe. I mean. Did you speak to any of them? Did you try and sort of help them settle in, or? Well, I spoke with them. I knew. Well, I know Oscar, Oscar Ostari. I know him uh, from from over there. Uh, the other two lads, I, I I don't know him. I haven't spoke with them. Um, I'm not sure who is doing that at the club. I don't. I'm not sure if the club have something to do that. I never got told. I never got asked to do yeah. something like that. But I mean, from my point of view, obviously, I, I try to help them, especially Oscar. You know, was looking for house or doing this or doing that. Ask me about the city, the best way I could. You know, but uh, it's always nice to help someone, especially coming from from abroad. You know, to to settle here. It's a disappointing that maybe that the Scott one didn't work when they don't work out. I think it. You know, it's a bit of a shame, isn't it? Really, when they when they come over and don't settle. And I think it's honestly. It's, I saw him. Obviously, the last two seasons before he came to Sunderland, playing over there in Argentina, and he was he was really good, you know, sharp, good, hitting the ball from outside the box very well, scoring a lot of goals. Something you need time, and you know, 
He wasn't prepared to wait, apparently. That's, that's the problem, you know, something you need, you know, it happened <coughs> with Colocini in Newcastle, the first six months, the first season, yeah. everyone was battling him, you know, he's too slow in this and that. Uh, he's probably, you know, been one of the best players for the last five years, you know, captain now in the team for the last two, three years. So some players need more than time than others. And, but, you know, some players don't like to wait, as you say, so... Well, we could again. We we could as with mm, when Bali was on the on the show the other <laughs> day. We could have went on. We could go on for hours, but we've we can't. We've got homes to go to and stuff. We do a question of the week now. Rattle through that. Yeah. <clears throat> so the the prize this week was. Um, Listen at Julio and Mike. You can help judge the winner. Yeah. Gareth reads out the answers. The prize this week was. Um, uh, it's a Hide and Beast album, um, which is called uh, Keep Moving. Um, you can in- enjoy that at your leisure <laughs> if you win. So keep an eye out as well because we're sick of people entering and then not listening, not claiming the prize. So we're not going to announce the winner unless on, you contact no. us. Yeah. So if you're listening now, keep an eye out. We won't um, be doing it on Twitter. Out. You need to listen. Yeah. So but if, if you're not listening, this message is pointless. So. It is. Yeah. We'll just <laughs> it'll roll over. Actually, next. <laughs> Telling people who's not listening to listen. That's a new one, isn't yeah, it? Good luck with that. Ne- next week we've got a, a brilliant. Not this. This that this prize isn't any good. But I'm just saying we've got a pretty good prize next week in the form of FIFA 15 on the Xbox One. Which were given by Game Washington, so thanks to them, and we'll 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 mention that during the week. But yes, this week the answers: um, John Watson. The qu- um, well, question first. All right, the question yeah, was: um, if you could, uh, <laughs> one job. I know. <laughs> if you could, um, some so- uh, basically a song or lyrics to sum up Sunderland. I'm, I'm surprised we didn't have more after. Um, after the did weekend. you look on the Facebook ones? As I well? did. I've okay, got them all, okay. all down. Um, so John Watson had a "Broke My Heart" by Saw Doctors. I don't know who they are, and I don't know this. Never song. heard of the Saw Doctors. No, Have you not? no. Uh, Paul Jake said, uh, "You'll probably get this answer a few times." However, I can't help falling if falling in love with you seems even more apt today. Mm-hmm. Uh, L- Lawmaster seventy seven, run to the hills. Um, and we had two people, one on Facebook, Gavaskew and, and Yarni on Twitter which things can only get better um, too obvious that one yeah Paul Smith <laughs> Embarrassment by Madness uh, Rory Fallow said in honour of our facts in honour in honour of how our fans react after a defeat rip it up and start again uh, Tom Wilcox says why does it always rain on me Thomas Elliott Pixies where is my mind I, 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 I don't know what's going on with him there uh, Joe Broly said uh, heaven knows I'm miserable now uh, Chris Dixon caught in a trap can't walk out because I love you too much baby that's a reasonable one uh, David Parker Chumbawamba I get knocked down um, Cy Curtin said he'd come up with his own and he said for F's sake man push out yet go on go on got a score here or oh, out the door man might have made that what? song up what? <laughs> um and he's someone's from Facebook I think Facebook. you need to say that written down for context yeah. there because that just sounded yeah. bizarre yeah um uh, this is off Facebook. Aaron Preston said, uh, "Can't stand me now, uh, the Libertines." Until we teach Arsenal footballing lesson. Um, David Angus steps five six seven eight. It's <laughs> ah. quite good though. And Labour and Runner said, "So you go and you stand on your own and you leave on your own and you go home and you cry and you want to die." <laughs> the Smiths, massive lads fans in brackets. Probably not. And uh, I think the song must be called "How Soon Is Now." So there you go. Any thoughts? Any by the Smiths down there. <laughs> yeah, they're quite, they're yeah. quite obvious and easy, yeah, yeah. easy ones to make, aren't they? I like the Travis, all, why does it always rain on me as well? Mm, I don't perhaps. mind uh, rip up and start again. Mm. I think that's what they've got to do. But there you go, I'll let you judge that one. Julio, know. any. any Julio I'd probably couldn't, not <laughs> not he probably couldn't understand what you were yeah, saying, Gareth, to be Sorry, fair. yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> I quite like the last one, Leyburn Runner, in his answer. The Morrissey song, well, the Smith song. What was it again? I think it's How Soon Is Now, but I don't know. The 5678 one's pretty yeah, good. That's, that's, <laughs> it doesn't sound nice, but it's yeah. quite funny. It's like gallows yeah. humour, that. Yeah. Is I'm, that the winner? I'm then? happy with that if you so. Right, okay. David Angus via the medium of the Facebook. Steps 5678, congratulations, you've won. Get in touch with us. It's important to be able to laugh at yourself. Yeah, get in touch with us. Just send us a message on Facebook, or if you're on Twitter and you follow us and we don't know that, then send us a message or whatever and we'll sort out your prize. And if you don't get in touch, it'll be rolled over to the following week because, as I say, next week we'll have uh, FIFA 15 on the Xbox One courtesy of Game Washington, so we'll put the question for that out and how to enter and stuff like that in the next few days. We might make it a bit more, you know... Promotiony because of the level of the prize. You might have to do something for us to win that. 
Right. Well, judging off most of the answers you see, that's the best one actually this week. Best answers because we've had a couple of sticking weeks. Of them. I know. Probably so we don't want to push the listeners yeah. too far. Right. Okay. That's all we have time for this week. Make sure you listen to Window Light on Thursday as well, where we'll talk Arsenal. Michael will be back with us then. What about the flat? Sorry, you didn't rub your phone. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll come to that again. It just it wasn't written down on your outro. Don't so. worry about that. It's, it's, in, it's logged in again. Where am I? Right. <laughs> hope that wasn't too depressing. The flat now will come up. So if you hate that, now's your time <laughs> to turn it off yeah. now. Right. Thanks for listening. Over and out. Last week on the flat, Paolo Di Canio left a trail of destruction after a short stay in the property, leaving Alan and Steve scratching their heads once more. Surely it's time for a less volatile option. Well, you know, obviously Paolo was a disaster. We hadn't expected the ego of the men to be so disruptive. We thought he might bring some personality to the place. Well, that's for sure. But the clash of cultures was just too much, you know. We ended up getting our backsides kicked. We've had to have a rethink, and it's time for someone more genial to come into the fold. In my view, absolutely. Al and I had a long chat about it, and he agrees. It was clear we were struggling with Paolo early doors. We thought we had the strongest possible candidate. But in the end, we was let down by the landlord who didn't vet him properly. But we'll be trying our best to rectify the situation. Steve thinks he's found the perfect solution. Niall, how's it going? Wow, what a fantastic looking flat. Really the pleasure to be here. What a wonderful moment this is for all of us. Look at Alan over there in the corner, sitting there having a fantastic time. Absolutely brilliant. Nice to see you, Niall. Absolutely phenomenal to see you again, Alan. It's such a fantastic situation to be in here you guys, you know. What a wonderful opportunity for us three to forge an understanding and bring some smiles to people's faces. It's a real thrill for those supporters. Look at them there. They're having a fantastic time. What a wonderful, great day this is for us. What supporters? The fantastic travelling supporters there. Look at them. What a great day out for them. Having a wonderful time. Brilliant. Settle down, Quinny lad. Let's have ourselves a cup of tea and eight or nine biscuits. Tea? Biscuits? What a wonderful day this has turned out to be. Fantastic. Niall's overwhelming enthusiasm is in stark contrast to that of the hypercritical De Canio. Steve suggests the lads sit down for a game of Monopoly in order to break the ice. You know, it's important to integrate the new lads. Without a doubt, there's nothing better than a good old-fashioned game of Monopoly to do that in my view, that's for sure. Mind, I'm still a bit bitter about the time I had Park Lane and ended up being forced out by the boy Alex. He had Mayfair and we couldn't do the deal. In the end, I caved in. It's brutal up there sometimes, you know, to be hounded out by your own flesh and blood. It's tough to take, but you move on. The game begins. Niall declines the invitation to play, but is very keen to watch and comment. We was straggling here. I was only given a chance to bring in two stations, and I had both utilities, and I, I lost electric and water. Wasn't quite the same without it. I tried to bring in Vine Street, but we couldn't do the deal, and I got stuck with old Kent Road. Come on, Alan. Roll the dice. Seven. That's chance. What a chance this is for Alan here. A fantastic opportunity. It's a get-out-of-jail-free card. What an absolutely wonderful move that is. An incredible moment for Alan there. No doubt he'll be needing that later on. And look at it. What it means to him. Look at his face. What a wonderful moment. He's having a fantastic time here. Oh, I'm in a spot of bother here, that's for sure. I've blown all my cash on average streets and haven't got a full set yet. Come on, Steve. Come on. Eleven. Community chest! There he goes, look at the delight on his face as he passes go and collects his reward. A wonderful moment for him. Fantastic! Game on! Do you think you're getting a bit overexcited there, Niall? Obviously you're a passionate man, but both you and I know how quickly things can go pear-shaped up here in the northeast, especially over at Sunderland. You've got to calm down. It's impossible not to get excited. What a fantastic day out it's been for those supporters over there. Look at them there. They're having a wonderful time down there. Look at their faces. Absolutely fantastic. A quick word, Steve. I think Niall is really struggling with his head. Maybe he's a bit tired from the week. Well, you know, Alan, I think you're absolutely right. There's no doubt about that. The lad has gone wrong. Who are these supporters he keeps mentioning? The only supporter I see around here are the 52 fairs and screaming Geordies. I know, Alan. He's lost the plot, that's for sure. He's going to have to be moved on. We're certainly not the best at picking flatmates. We've got our backsides kicked. 
but we'll dust ourselves down and continue the search. It falls on Steve to break the news to the big Irishman. Listen, Niall, I take no pleasure in this, even though you caved in over at Sunderland when I was hounded out. But we're going to have to ask you to go. It's just not working out as we'd hoped. I know what it's like to be booted out, as you well know. You did the booting. But you'll bounce back. Look at me. Look at the job I've done down at Hull. They don't know what they're missing up here now. But it's time for you to go. That's for sure. Well, this has been a fantastic opportunity for me, but I fail to take it. No doubt when the next one comes along, I'll grab it with both hands. I'll roll up my magic carpet and be on my way. Good luck! Well, he's a lovely bloke. That's for sure. Yeah. I'll get on the phone to Graham Carr, see if he can unearth us a gem. Otherwise, we could be straggling for the rent. I'll send a few faxes. We've got a few irons in the fire. Best to keep your powder dry. No doubt about it. Once again, Alan and Steve fail to secure the right man for the job. Who will be next? Find out next week on The Flat. <laughs>